who we are and what we have in Christ. At the time in history that Paul wrote this, Christians were on the run. Christians were on the run. Christians were on the run. They had no rights and they were in great danger. Paul actually wrote this letter while on house arrest in Rome. And despite his circumstances, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, describing the fullness and richness of life in Christ. Paul knew that if the Ephesians understood who they were and began to live in Christ, the world would never be the same. The same can be true for today. If we understand what it means to live in Christ, if we understand what it means to live in Christ, if we understood what it meant to live in Christ, if we understand what it means to live in Christ, to be the church, our city and our world would never be the same. Never be the same. Would never be the same. Would never be the same. Would never be the same. Thank you for being here today. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to talk just a second, and then I'm going to preach just a minute, if that's all right. Um, Father, I thank you for uh, this morning, and God, just for the ways that I've seen worship happen already today, whether it's in giving or whether it's children dancing on a stage saying, hey, and, and declaring that they don't have to worry because they know that God will rescue them. And Father, I pray that that seed, that that idea, that that all those lessons that were planted into their little minds this week. God, that they would fall and be nurtured through parents and church and friends. And that they would grow up, these young men and women, these boys and girls, would grow up to know that they can count on Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the ones that have said they want to know more about walking with God and having a relationship with God. Lord, we thank you for the volunteers that um, gave their time and their resources and their talents. Father, I thank you for creativity. And, um, and God, we ask that, that you would continue to give us opportunities just to simply stand up and say, Jesus is. And the answer is all things. So, Lord, we love you. I ask that you would take our word this morning that we're going to study and that you would multiply it to us so that we would not only be smarter, but we would be more Christ-like. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first, thank you for praying for my mom this week. Um, I have figured up, I think, between going back and forth to, between Dawson and, uh, and here, driven about 2,100 miles this week checking on mom. And, uh, but she is much clearer. We, uh, she's no longer hallucinating, she's no longer um, just in delirium, but maybe a little confused, but if I picked up the phone right now and said, hey mama, she would know exactly who I was, where I was, and what I was doing with you guys right now. So a huge improvement, and uh, mom's going to be in rehab for 21 days, and then we'll see what's going on next. But you know, I'm not the only one that's had some stuff going on in my, my world this week. I understand from Storms that happened in the neighborhoods this week that um, 
some houses and people in their homes were disrupted, and so we want to pray for one another there. But also we had a um, family that their house burned, um, and then we also have had um, other people dealing with sickness. But we also have some very cool things. We have a sweet little baby within, in church with us today that's nine days old. And so we love it when little babies come to church, and we love it when the older people come to church and when we get to sing with our children. So, um, And then the last thing I want to point out to you is that every month, different ones submit. Miss Susan McLear compiles and prints and gets it ready for us. But this is a prayer list. It's a way that you can, throughout the month, every day, know that you're praying with everybody else in your church for the same thing. Some of them are vague, and we intentionally do that because the Holy Spirit may prompt you with something different from somebody else. But it's a general direction and guide, and we're very grateful that it gets done. We're grateful for the effort, and we thank you for praying as we are in these days in the life of Mount Zion Baptist Church. So God bless you, and thank you so very much. So now, let's take our Bibles. Let's open them up to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 17, 18, and 19 today and talk about an old life, who we used to be in life before Christ in, invaded us, really, through the Holy Spirit. He invaded our lives. But one thing in thinking about that, I often get asked, in fact, I was asked this week, Pastor, with so much going on in the world, why do you always preach primarily from a book and a chapter and a verse? And I think that is a very good question. It's a question I ask myself often with, with all that's going on politically, racially, financially, economically, with immigration, all of those things. Why do I not ever just kind of deviate from there? And, and I'll tell you, it is calculated, it's considered, and sometimes there is a variation. But for the most part, I do teach from a book, I teach from a chapter, I teach from a verse. And the one reason I think, or I could give you twofold to that answer, the first one is, it's the application of principles. And understand, God did not create us with a cookie cutter. We were not just humanity on a, on a conveyor belt and there was a stamp and everyone came out exactly the same. If the scripture says that we are uniquely made, wonderfully made, fearfully made, that we're all made in the image of God. But as we've already studied in Ephesians, we are gifted very, very differently. And that meant that God did not want us to all respond exactly the same way. Because if we did, then we would be a church of robots. And we don't want that. And so oftentimes when I go through a book and a chapter and a verse, it allows us to teach the principles of the Bible that will guide us in the situations of life so that we can respond in the way that God created us. And when we learn the principles, what does the Bible say? When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And if we know the truth, and, and here's the problem with that bouncing around. The text out of context can often become a proof text for what I want the Bible to say rather than what it really says. I can take a passage of Scripture and make it say whatever. But if we take it in context and we teach it as a whole thought, then we begin to learn the truth. So that's one reason that I would teach to you the Bible in what is known in an expository manner. 
The other reason that I choose often to teach from an expository position is the humbling analysis of Scripture. It's fairly easy to be a crusader for a, di- for a distant cause and yet at the same time be a person who is distant from God. It's easy to be a crusader for a distant cause and yet at the same time be distant from God. Why do I say that? Because I can look out there and say, oh, they need this, and oh, they need that, and oh, and oh, and oh, and I can go all around the room and find what everybody needs and be substitute my walk with God for good deeds. Now, there's nothing wrong with good deeds. In fact, the Scripture would teach good deeds. The Scripture says to do good deeds so that they'll see, people will see them, and that they will glorify your Father in heaven. But when my good deeds, my passion for a distant cause becomes my religion or my faith, now I am not walking in unity and in closeness to God, but yet I'm substituting other things. So when we study the scripture by chapter, by by book, by chapter, by verse, it exposes us to all of God and reminds us that the first thing that God said was to love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We would know that the scripture said to seek first the kingdom of God. We would know that the scripture teaches us that when before we had Christ, we were strangers and aliens. And the scripture said even enemies to God. But Ephesians 2.5 says, but you he made alive while you were in dead in trespasses and sin. So yes, we do study the Bible oftentimes in a book, chapter, verse format, but we do it in such a way that we begin to ask God to reveal Himself to us and to reveal ourselves to us. Because listen to this, this is what the Scripture says. In Matthew 15, 19, out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Thoughts like atheism, racism, terrorism. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts like murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. And out of the heart, because we believe, follow your heart. How many times do you hear that? Follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. Your heart is evil above all things. And it's only Christ that reveals to you the true nature of who you are, and actually what you need in life. And that's why we live in a world that is in chaos. It's why we are living in a world that's in disunity and and is not experiencing harmony because we're following our hearts. We're following what feels good to us or what seems right to, to us. So we don't want to pick and choose our passages. But yet we want God to expose himself to us fully deeply and in what I believe is without error. Now, we're going to use that as a launching pad for our text this morning. So let's take our Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. So Paul said, I'm not just saying it. I just want you to know I am bearing witness as if I were in a court of law. I am saying it and I'm giving testimony to it to be true 
that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. This passage begins with a very pointed, a very penetrating analysis of the hardness and the darkness of the human heart, of the corruption and the futility of the human heart. And why does Paul do this? Because it's very important for us to get to the root of the problem, not the symptom of the problem. I've already told you, I've spent a lot of time in hospital this week with my mom. And when my mom walked into the hospital, she didn't walk in there. Well, she couldn't do it, but we didn't say, hey, we want you to test for this, this, and this because these are the symptoms. We walked in and said, find out what's wrong with my mother. And we signed a piece of paper that said, you run every test you need to run. You do whatever you need to do to find out what's going on. And so many times in our lives, we go to God, the hospital of God, and we say, Hey God, I want you to deal with this, and I want you to deal with that. But you know, I really like this thing over here, and so I don't want you to deal with that. And because we do that, we begin to treat symptoms and not the cause, and we're never, ever healed. The scripture says you'll be given over to uncleanness. You'll be given over to depravity. You'll be given over to lewdness. And Paul is telling us today, therefore, I testify. I testify to you that this is how I do not want you to walk. I don't want you to walk like the Gentiles, the rest of the Gentiles, the Gentiles that don't know God. He said, I want you to walk as those who have been made clean by the blood of Christ. You see, an encounter with Christ is demonstrated by a changed attitude. An encounter with Christ is demonstrated by a changed life. An encounter with Christ is demonstrated by changed relationships. In fact, one of the best analysis for have you encountered Christ in a true and real way is do you have a changed life? Can you look back on the life that you used to live and the life that you now live and see something different? If you do not see something different, I would suggest a 911 this morning. Hey God, take me to the ER because I've still got symptoms. Work on me. It's a Paul is looking and saying it's important for us to get to the root of the problem. Our real problem is not social, racial, economic or political. Paul says that our real problem is that we are separated from God by sin. And there's only one drug for that. And it's the drug of the blood of Jesus Christ. I can be socially involved. I can be sympathetically involved. I can be empathetically involved with people. And still be as far from God as the worst person you can picture in your mind. So is it bad to do good things? No, it's never bad to do good things. But it is not the thing that will heal you. Paul says, I don't want you to walk this way. Paul says, I want you to walk another way, a new way. 
If any man's in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. So we want to understand that. Our issue this morning is separation from God. So, so why would Paul start there? Paul, I, that's not what I want to hear. I don't want you to tell me I'm separated from God. I don't want you to tell me that I'm separated from God, that I spend eternity in hell. But Paul understands if he doesn't go to the root, then he cannot really treat the symptoms. And so for him not to talk to us about where we really are, it would have done him no good to talk to us about anger in Ephesians 4.26. It would do no good for him to talk to us about money in Ephesians 4.28 or our tongue in Ephesians 4.29 or sexuality in Ephesians 5.3 or our time management in Ephesians 5.16 because it would all be an act of the will of self-discipline. And my self-discipline only lasts as long as my willpower. And my willpower only lasts as long as either my energy or the crisis. And Paul says, I want to go beyond your emotions. I want to go beyond your feelings. I want to go to the place that will make you well. This week at the hospital, they were not giving my mother one of her medicines. And being the son that I thought I ought to be, I talked to the doctor and the nurse, and I said, hey, this is one of my mom's medicines. And I want you to give it to her, and I expect you to tell me right now why you are not giving this medicine to my mother, which you told me she needed. And the doctor looked at me so wonderfully patient and kind, and he should have hit me in the mouth. I'm just going to tell you right now what he should have done. He said, Chris, our evaluation showed that that medicine is adding to your mother's hallucinations. And if we give it to her, she's not going to get better. You see, we come to God and we tell Him what we need. And then we get angry at Him when He doesn't give us what we want. And yet, if He gave to us what we wanted, we would continue to spiritually hallucinate, believing that what we see is real and it's not, and it would be leading to a further decline in our lives and so we need to come to the great physician paging dr jesus stat paging dr jesus jesus you give me what i need not what i want and that is what will heal me if we want to escape from futility in the practical affairs and race relationships of our daily lives we need to become deep people Deeply looking within ourselves. And don't settle for the quick fix, the emotional high. Because those are like a roller coaster ride. They're fun while they last, but they're gone in a moment. My mom had, a very, had some very lucid, clear moments this week, even in all of that I just told you was going on. And in one of those very clear moments, she sat me down with mama eyes and mama hands. And she grabbed my shirt. And she said, Chris, tell me the truth. If I'm confused, tell me I'm confused. If I'm about to die, tell me I'm about to die. I don't want to be deceived. Can I tell you that's what we need to do with God? In our lucid moments of spiritual um, engagement, we need to look at God. You know, 
Elijah wrestle with God and said, I won't let you go until you show me who you are? We need to wrestle with God and say, God, show me who I really am. Now, let me tell you, that is not for wimpy people. It is not for soft people. It is not for people that want to walk around and say, oh, look at me, life is good. I smiled four times today and I patted a dog on the head. No, 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 no. This is for people that want their life changed. This is for people who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they want a new life, a different life, a God life. A life that has meaning and purpose and opportunity and growth. Because Satan will lie to you. And he will grab you, tell you to grab a hold of something that is killing you. He will. And he makes it pretty. So God, look at me. Tell me the truth. Look inside my human heart and help me to clearly agree with you that my greatest need in life is not the treatment of my symptoms, but a connection of my heart to you. Plugged in. You see, because if you go home today and try to turn on your lamp, no matter how much power you have in your house, if that lamp is not plugged into the source, the lamp won't burn. And I don't care how many times you flip the switch today. If you are not plugged into the Lord Jesus Christ through the blood of His Son, to God through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, you will not have power Paul says, you used to walk without power, but I made you alive even when you were dead in your trespasses and sin. And I can give you power. I've given you the power. Plug into me, and when you flip the switch, the light comes on. Key point. The Scripture teaches us to repent of sin and confess our sins. Now, let me make the difference. Salvation doesn't come because I said, hey, God, I lied. That is a sin that needs to be confessed. And God says when we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. But the plugged in, the relationship comes when I repent of being a sinner with a sin nature, with a depraved heart that is an enemy of God. And I may not want to say it, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. That's who I was. It's who you are apart from a relationship with God. And so, God, today I repent of being a sinner. I repent of living my own way. I repent of choosing my way over your way, of being separated from you. God, being your enemy, I repent of all of that. I believe that the blood of Christ is all I need to connect us. And now, God, that we are connected I confess to you that sometimes I lie, sometimes I'm addicted, sometimes I overspend, sometimes I don't trust you, sometimes I worry, sometimes I'm lonely. God, I confess all of these things to you and I ask you to forgive me. And he says that the flow of the blood cleanses all sin. Paul said, this is how you used to be. And this is who I want you to be. And you can be. Because of the blood of Christ. So, when I took my, when I walked into the hospital of God this week, 
and I paged Dr. Jesus. And I said, Dr. Jesus, in light of this passage, would you show me the things in my life that are not consistent with you, that could separate me from you? And I think he showed me six things that we need to be careful of, aware of. Let's go back and read it one more time to refresh our memory. It's very short. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. He said, this is what I don't want you to do. Walk like all those other people. And the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart, being who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work in all cleanliness, uncleanness, I'm sorry, with greediness. So what is the first thing that when Dr. Jesus told me I was sick, what is the first thing he said? He said, Chris, you're blind and you have a hard heart due to the blindness of their heart. My deepest problem in life is that apart from the free and sovereign grace of God, I cannot pursue God. I pursue God because God pursued me. I pursue God because God made himself known to me. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And no amount of your goodness and muster will make you good enough for God. You have a hardened heart. You are blind to who you really are. And God says, that's who you were when you walked like a Gentile. The ignorance that's in them due to the hardness of heart. And you understand, hardness is deeper than ignorance. Ignorance says, if I know the truth, I might respond to the truth. I just am not doing it because I don't know what it is. But hardened says that even if I know the truth, I'm going to choose to do it my way. And only by the revelation of God through His Holy Spirit. Remember what we said, God planned salvation. Jesus purchased salvation. The Holy Spirit presented salvation. Apart from the presentation of salvation through the Holy Spirit, you cannot come to Christ. And Paul says that's where every one of us are. And in a world right now that says, oh, if it feels good, do it. Or if it works for you, grab hold. That is not a popular statement. The problem, though, is whether it's popular or not, it's in the book that's in Eric. It's true. It's what God says. And so the first condition that I see of my heart is that I have a hardened heart. The next thing I find out that God said is that there's darkness. There's a deep darkness in me that swallows up my understanding and keeps me from seeing the greatness of the gospel. You see, Satan lied. He said, the apple is good. Eat it. It's better than the greatness of God. The Bible looks and says the addiction is greater than God. The Bible looks and says that relationship is greater than God. The, the, I mean, the, the devil will. And the devil will lie to you and tell you this and this and this. Don't let go of it because if you let go, you're going to sink. And God says, let go of it to walk on water. It's dark. It's a dark place. Ephesians 5.8 says, Once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. To walk in true deep light, I must know the context of Scripture. 
Because I promise you there are people in this room that believe that one of God's goals for your life is for you to be happy. That is not one of God's goals for your life. God likes it if you're happy. But His greatest goal for your life is for you to be holy. For you to be Christ-like. His second goal for your life is to love your neighbor. In other words, to treat your neighbor right and well. And in that, you will find happiness. But you find happiness in the pursuit of God. You don't find God in the pursuit of happiness. Big difference. Before the Lord shined in my heart, I was dark. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Could not come to the light. Had no light. There was not light available. John chapter 3 verse 20 says that I could not come to the light. Guess why? Because I hated the light. Apart from Christ. So I'm blind. It's dark. There's deep ignorance. Darkness causes the deep ignorance of reality. Look with me again at verse 18. It says, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them. I say it's deep ignorance for there's a superficial knowledge. In other words, we know Sunday school answers. And because we can get asked a question in church and we can give a decent answer, we think we are okay. But listen to me. Knowledge and relationship, knowledge and surrender are very, very, very different. I can answer questions about what makes a car work and I can't fix a car. It doesn't make me a mechanic. You can answer questions about God and it does not make you a follower of Christ. You become a follower of Christ because you have submitted to His will, surrendered your life, and followed His teaching even when you don't like it. Deep ignorance. We're ignorant not of information, we're ignorant of the process. We want to say, look at my good works, look at my good deeds. And God says, your good deeds are like filthy rags. Pile them all up and it doesn't lift you any higher. You're still separated from God. Paul says that not only is there a deep ignorance, but watch this. The hardness and the darkness and the ignorance of my heart results in a lewd behavior. Now that's dirtiness, depravity, corruption. He says that's where it goes. It's a progression. You start out going, I'm going to do good deeds. 
God confronts you and says, it's not good deeds I want, it's you that I want. And you say, well, God, I know that it's not good deeds you want, it's me you want, but I like good deeds, so I'm going to keep doing good deeds. And the more we say no to God, the easier it is for us to say no to God. And the more we say no to God and the easier it becomes, the harder we become. The harder we become, the more we can tolerate. The more we tolerate, the deeper we go. The deeper we go, the less we're convicted. And the less we're convicted, the less we confess. And then all of a sudden we wake up one day and say, who am I? And how did that happen? And the scripture tells us over and over and over again about how it happens. When I don't know the truth, the truth of scripture, the truth of God, I will make other things my God and my goal. I will pursue them because everybody in this room was created to worship. And everybody in this room today worships something. I would tell you this, God, show me what it is I worship. What it, show me what it is that I value more than you. Show me what it is that I'm afraid of more than I am afraid of surrender and trust. God, show me. Because God, that thing is the thing that's keeping me and you from having intimacy. God, teach me. But look, from blindness to darkness to ignorance to lewdness to uncleanness. Greedy to practice every kind of uncleanness. The covetousness in us. The desire to worship something. And the pursuit of anything that provides a moment of relief will lead us to that place that's just past lewdness to uncleanness, meaning that now we're not even asking God's opinion. We're just moving along, living, and believing that it's going to be okay and that my choice is a right choice. And I'm just going to be honest. I've been there. I have been there when the, the purpose and the place of God was not foremost in my mind. And as a believer made choices that I'm like how in the world and I want to tell you it can happen to the big and the small the new believer and the person that's walked with God for a long time that's why it says take up your cross daily that's why it says seek first now we got the doctor's report You're blind, it's dark, you're ignorant, you're lewd, and you're unclean. It's spread everywhere. It's terminal. (laughs) So, what are you going to do, God? What do we need to do next? How do we fix it up? Well, the truth is you're alienated from God. That's the truth. Apart from Christ, you're alienated. God has a way that leads us to another place. 2.1, I told you, says we're dead in trespass and sin. 2.5 says that we can be made alive. So how do we escape it? And then I'm done. What is the escape? Give God permission to search you. Fully. Unbridled. No holes barred. Everything on the table. However you like to phrase it. You say, God, here I am. This is me. 
You show me, God, who I really am. Be like David. Search me, God. Know me. Try me. And see if there's anything in me that is not pleasing to you. Hard work. Reveals things you will not like. But will be the very thing that will give you life if you'll do it. I remember a conversation that, that we had with someone some, one time and they were saying, this is who I am and I, this is not who I want to be. And I'm giving God permission. I'm telling him, this is who I am. God, and I don't want to be that way. Will you change me? And it's been amazing to watch God work in that person's life. It really has. I've seen it. I've lived it. I've got stories to tell about it in my life and other people's life. But the first thing is give God permission to do an exam. My mom, when we moved her into rehab, she walked in and they said, Miss Reynolds, we're going to do um, your exam. And my mom says, what does that mean? And the lady said, well, from head to toe. My mom said, do I have to take off my clothes? And the sweet nurse practitioner lady said, yes, you do. My mom said, will that help me get better? The lady said, you can't come in here if we don't. My mom started throwing clothes everywhere and I ran out the door. <laughs> That's where we need to be with Jesus. Will it make me better? Can't get healed without it. Then you just start getting naked before God. Saying, God, here I am. So that's the first step. Listen to his diagnosis. Listen to what he says. When he says, this is what's wrong with you. Don't start a myriad of justification saying, oh, but God and this God and that's why God and you don't know what happened to me, God, and this and that and the other. Just say, God, I hear you and I'm ready to respond. Submit to the exam. Listen to the diagnosis. I would venture to say, Bill, you and Susan in your career have had people come in with prescriptions and say, oh, I don't need that, and they don't take it, and they're back sometime later, and they're never well. And that's what we do with God. We go to Dr. Jesus, say, what's wrong? And he says, you need one of these four times a day. And we'll say, well... Maybe I don't. And then we go back to the doctor and he says, have you took your medicine? No. We'll follow the treatment plan. Look at verses 20 and 21. But you have not so learned Christ. In other words, how you're trying to live is not how you were taught. This is not how you learn to follow Jesus. You're doing it your way. But you, you have not so learned Christ. Indeed, if you have heard him and have been taught by him. In other words, some of you sitting in this room thinking that you have accepted Christ have not accepted Christ. He said, if indeed you have heard him and been taught by him, so the first question is, God, don't let me be deceived. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, 
that you put off concerning your former conduct. Last thought. Did you see that place where he said up there, he said, who being past feeling? You have seared your conscience. You can watch things, say things, do things, take things, react to people in a certain way, and no longer have feeling about it because you have gone beyond feeling. That's a dangerous, dangerous place. But it is the practical outcome to saying no to God. You will wind up there. Now here's the good thing. If you're sitting in this room today, you are not there. Because the grace of God has given you one more chance to say yes to Him. To respond to Him. So in the moments that we've had inventory this morning, the exam, has God revealed it to you? Are you ready to step into surgery and let Him remove it? If it's a deficiency, are you letting, ready to let Him add it? Are you going to walk out today saying, I've got this? Paul said, Do not walk as the rest of the Gentiles. The rest of the Gentiles said no to God. Be the other Gentiles today that say yes to God.